Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Show. I'm Kim Hammer, state senator in hosting for Dave. Unfortunately, Dave had a uh, death in his immediate family that required him to travel out of state to take care of that. So we just want to remember him and his family in our prayers and thoughts as he goes through this time. And uh, he has a good uh, list of hosts lined up for the rest of the week. They're going to come in, take care, and get your morning started on a very positive note. Let me give you a little bit of a rundown as far as who you're going to get to listen to this morning and who some of my guests are for our three hours that we'll be spending together here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, in just a moment, I'm going to be joined by Rhonda Sanders, who is the CEO for the Central Arkansas Food Bank, uh, to talk about food distribution, not only here in Central Arkansas, but throughout the other food banks that cover the entire state, some of the things they have lined up. Of course, we live in challenging times as far as helping uh, kids that uh, through the summer uh, do not have the ability to get those regular meals like they do when they go to school. And Rhonda is going to help talk about uh, what the food bank of Central Arkansas, but all food banks throughout Arkansas, are doing to help uh, make sure that they're uh, the need of meeting uh, the the need of meeting kids that are hungry uh, is being done. And then from six thirty to seven going to be joined by congressman steve walmack to give us an update from washington uh, he's from the third district and he'll give us some insight as to the goings-on up in dc and how they're responding to the situations that are going on here in the state and also through the nation from 7 to seven thirty, going to have dole webb chairman of the republican party of arkansas on uh, to have a discussion about uh, some of the reactions and some of the responses to, uh, honestly, some of the craziness that's coming out as far as what some people think are solutions uh, to the problems that we're ch- facing as a nation. From 7.30 to 8, I've got a gentleman named Tim Campbell coming on. Tim's just come back from a three-year tour of West Africa. Uh, Tim is a individual that has a very unique perspective on the uh, relate on the issues and the tensions that are going on here in Arkansas and in America. Uh, he is going to uh, we're just going to have a 30 minute dialogue that I think you'll find stimulating, informative and refreshing too. Uh, just listening to Tim and some of his perspective as we talk back and forth about some of the challenges that we're experiencing uh, in the state today and in the nation. Uh, from around 8 to 8.30, I've got Alan Kerr, former insurance commissioner, going to come on. Uh, part of the subject is going to be why our insurance rates are so high and what we can do to uh, help curtail those or address those or talk about uh, what's the what's the drivers, what are the drivers behind our insurance rates being so high. 
And then from 8.30 to 9, we're going to have Wes Ward on, who is the uh, Secretary of Agriculture here for the state of Arkansas. Uh, we're going to be talking about farming. We're going to be talking about the uh, about the trade agreements that are going on as far as helping farmers be able to get their product out. And uh, also, I'd like to ask Wes something, uh, some things around why the price of meat is so high that you're paying at the market right now and what's being done to help address that. Uh, so all these things are relevant to your life. So as I know that you're just waking up or as your friends are waking up, if you would let them know that we've got a good show on this morning. Uh, they will get three hours of continuing ed credit for listening this morning because they're going to be very well educated. And so make sure you get them woke up and get them tuned in to 101.1 FM. Or as you're uh, watching on Facebook Live, you can let them know to join us there. Again, I'm Kim Hammer, State Senator, filling in for Dave this morning. Really wish he could be here, uh, but unfortunately, he's dealing with a death in the family. We just want to remember him and our prayers and his family and uh, lift him up. In fact, let's do this if you don't mind. Might be a little bit out of the ordinary, but I can be fired after the show's over that'll be okay let's start our show with a word of prayer and start the day with a word of prayer father we thank you for the day uh, we are privileged to be able to wake it up and just uh father just see what you're going to do with the day and how exciting times we live in yet yes they are challenging but also lord we know that for every challenge there's a bigger solution if we look to you for it uh, so father we just pray that as we go about our day today that we'd always constantly be reminder that you are watching us and that you uh, father are going to hold us accountable someday whether we escape uh, whatever may happen down here on earth we all stand before you one day so help us to use our lives invest our lives in uh, our fellow man in order that we might reflect who you are as we go about dealing with the issues of the day thank you lord for allowing us to wake up and enjoy a beautiful day and we just give you all the praise for it in your name we pray Amen. All right, let's get Rhonda Sanders on the line. Rhonda is CEO of the Food Bank of Central Arkansas, located here in Little Rock, uh, but she has a pretty far reach. Rhonda, thank you for joining us on the Dave Ellswick Show today with host Kim Hammer, and appreciate you joining us so early in the morning. Well, thank you for including us in the discussion. It does sound like you have an awesome lineup today, a lot of great topics, We, uh, uh, we but I'm, I'm, I'm excited to talk about hunger. Very good. Well, you are tri- quite the trooper because uh, you wake up at 5 and you're usually in the office by 6, and uh, that within itself is quite a bit. So we we appreciate you taking time out of your morning schedule to spend it here on the Dave Ellswick Show. So tell us about uh, give just a little bit of background about the food bank. You're not the only food bank in the state of Arkansas, so just give us the holistic 100,000-foot view of the food bank of Arkansas. Yes, there are actually uh, six of us in this state uh, that are affiliated with Feeding America, and we divide up all the counties, and that is the way that we ensure that every county has a food bank that they can lean on, that they can use as a resource. The uh, Arkansas Food Bank has been around since 1984, and we actually service 33 of the 75 counties uh, that are in the state, so we have the largest footprint uh, from the other food banks, but uh, we all work very closely together, uh, sharing food, helping each other, vetting ideas, uh, doing projects together. Now, when you say that you, who is it that you supply to? Because I know there's a lot of food mm-hmm. pantries out there. In fact, the church I pastor has a food pantry, um, and there, there are a lot of individual food pantries out there. Explain the network for how, where does the food originate from? the pipeline to get it out into the community and then insert yourself there as far as your place in the in the line from supplier to the ones that have the need right well the food comes from a little bit of everywhere one of our largest food sources is retail store pickup 
like your Walmart, your Kroger's, your Harps, Edwards, those stores provide us with food that's about to go out of date. Um, we acquire that and use it. Uh, we also purchase food. We have access to donors in the state, like Skippy Peanut Butter and Riceland. And then we have access to Feeding America to other uh, major food producers all throughout the nation. Um, so that food, we acquire it. We bring it into our building, and uh, we process it in a manner that our agencies can use. Uh, so we actually serve the local community through about 320 agencies and 80 uh, or so schools. Uh, that, those are the arms and legs out in our community. Food pantries, just like yours, uh, actually work with us. They have the ability to use our shopping list, uh, lots of free food. 70% of our food has no charge on it. A very small amount of charge on some of the other pieces. But uh, it is, uh, it, that, that is the system and how we serve our local communities. So if you want to be a distributor of food mm-hmm. in a area that uh, – because we, we know that there are food deserts, what they call mm-hmm. food deserts, where Absolutely. it's difficult for populations mm-hmm. to be able to access food. I, I, at 7.30 when Tim Campbell comes on, one of the things we were talking about in prepping for the show this morning, he was talking about uh, you know about food deserts and how the Walmarts uh, have typically moved out of the area, but Dollar General has moved in. Yeah. And as far as the uh, food product line – that is offered or available mm-hmm. uh it's it's not as wholesome it's not as yeah. healthy and mm-hmm. so we'll have that discussion with him but how how what does a person have to do or what does an entity have to do in order to be affiliated with you especially if they're in one of these food deserts right yes they can call our office 565-8121 or they can go to our website arkansasfoodbank.org uh, we have a team here that actually works with getting new agencies on board. Uh, if you are wanting to be an agency in an area that has another food pantry real close to it, like within a mile or so, we're going to encourage you to join in with that food pantry and help them where y'all can switch off days. Maybe you can distribute from your facility once and theirs uh, just to have a greater impact. But if you are in an underserved area, and there are many of them that we are needing pantries to serve, uh, and if you want to do it a little differently, if you want to be open on a Saturday, we have done some research and we have found that a lot of our working families need food, but they don't have access during the 8 to 5 time period. So uh, anyone who has wanted to do something different along those lines, uh, we we would love to work with you. Well, and people need to know... and. We don't we don't have a dumb audience. We got a pretty sharp audience. I don't know who the dumb audience listens to, but they don't tune in here. But you know, we, um, you and I have had several conversations mm-hmm. before about this, and that's why I wanted to get you on the radio was because mm-hmm. I think it is an important message to get out there. Is the reality is that there are people who are hungry, and especially in this time as unemployment is high as it is, mm-hmm. even people who really don't want help need help, and that's a distinction. Yeah. There are people out there who would rather not have to go to a food pantry, would rather not have to be dependent upon the food bank. Um, but the reality is when you're hungry, you're hungry. Um, mm-hmm. What um, what can people do to get involved with the food bank to help um, get, get the distribution line uh, fully expanded to all of Arkansas? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, well, as you were mentioning, the uh, the – experience we've recently had with COVID has taught us a lot about ourselves 
and the uh, emergency system. Uh, we ended up doing more direct distributions than we've ever done. That means not going through an agency, but uh, actually distributing directly to clients um, because they know where a mall is or they know where this parking lot is, and they're very comfortable with that. So uh, for us, there are a couple of things that we need in order to continue to do that model. Uh, obviously, we need funds. It is more expensive than uh, going through – uh, an agency, you have a lot of boxes, you have a lot of people. Uh, you can also volunteer. We are getting ready in July to open back up and uh, utilize volunteers to help us sort and uh, box uh, food. Uh, we have used a lot of volunteers to help us with our direct distributions. And uh, the people who came to those have said that it was just an amazing experience. Uh, to get involved there and to actually put that box of food in someone's trunk and have them with tears in their eyes thank them so much for what they're doing. You know, uh, we're, we're going to be up on a break here in about a minute and mm-hmm. a half, but let me just ask you to clarify before we go to the break about mm-hmm. agency because there's I want to make sure people aren't confused. Mm-hmm. So if there's an area, and, and do me a favor, um, mm-hmm. if you will email me the map of where yes. you have outreach points but where mm-hmm. you identify pockets of need and if Uh you're interested in helping meet the needs of one of those food desert areas if you'll go up to the dave ellswick website or i host a show on saturday in fact i'll i'll get you in on saturday we'll have an expanded conversation i do uh the kim hammer show on saturday at noon uh from noon till one until one here uh i'll get you on but if you'll send that to me i'll get it posted up on the kim hammer show website but also the dave ellswick website right and uh, you can look and see if you've got an area that you can meet. But in about 30 seconds or less, tell me, the you mentioned agency. Who is an agency? Mm-hmm. What is an agency? We think state agency like DHS and uh-huh. that. Yeah. But what what's agency mean in your world? Uh, what agency means in my world is that it is a pantry, a soup kitchen, uh, a shelter uh, who is providing food to those who need help. Uh, It could be a church. It could be a community organization. Uh, They are all 501c3s. They have to be. Uh, And and those are the ones that we we work with. They come on board. They are trained. uh, They learn food safety. And uh, they get resources from the local communities, but they also use us a tremendous amount of time to to provide that food. It may be that they do a distribution twice a month. It may be that they do it once a week. Some of ours are open four days a week. So it runs uh, quite a spectrum of the types of services that they provide. All right. We're listening to Rhonda Sanders, CEO of the Food Bank of Central Arkansas. We're going to come back and finish up the bottom of the hour with her after this break. I want to say thank you for listening to the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm Kim Hammer, state senator, hosting for Dave today as he's dealing with a uh, death in the family. So keep him in your prayers, if you would. I want to say thanks for Heidi for coming in so early. She's on the other side of the glass, smiling, giving me confidence that I'm going in the right direction, which means right now we got to take a break, and you'll get caught up on the uh, traffic and also some other important announcements. Then come back, we'll finish our conversation with Rhonda Sanders, the CEO of the Arkansas Food Bank here in Central Arkansas. 
Good morning. Welcome back to the Dave Ellsworth Show. Dave is off dealing with a family death, and so this is Kim Hammer, state senator, filling in for Dave today just to give you an idea what we've got in store for the rest of the show this morning. Uh, we'll have Representative Steve Walmack on at 630. Then we will be followed by Dole Webb, the chairman of the Republican Party of Arkansas. Then I've got a gentleman named Tim Campbell who's going to come on. We're going to have an honest discussion about the uh, situation, the environment, uh, some of the things that would be good to address that maybe some people don't want to talk about when it comes to uh, dealing with the tension that's out there. We've got Alan Kerr coming on at 8 to 8.30, former insurance commissioner. We'll talk about why your insurance rates are so high and what we can do to try to knock them down. And then Wes Ward, the uh, Secretary of Agriculture for here in the state of Arkansas. We're going to talk about some things related to farming, uh, also some uh, issues related like feral hogs and other challenges uh, that we're facing in the state from the agricultural side of things. So that's our lineup for the morning. Hope that you're able to stick around and and uh, get your neighbors and friends woke up and get them tuned in to the Dave Ellswick Show here. Right now, though, we're going to go back to Rhonda Sanders, who is the CEO of the Food Bank of Central Arkansas, which represents 33 counties here in Central Arkansas. But, Rhonda, you've got uh, some outliers that make up a full statewide presence. Um, obviously, it sounds with you having 33 of the counties, you might be the, the big dog in the kennel. Uh, but... <laughs> Are the the other ones? Is it all distributed by population, geographical size, or how is it that the other food banks have their geographical territories? Uh, it is something that we all work together to come into agreement on. Uh, it really has not been divided necessarily necessarily geographically, or uh, there's not been a formula. Uh, years ago, uh, all of us sat down in a room and uh, worked out, you serve these, I'll serve these. Uh, so it's a true consensus type of a model, which is part of the reason why we work so well together. You mean you guys play nice together? Is that what you're telling me? Yes, we do. Well, we do. Uh, you know, the thing about it is, regardless of whether you're hungry in your territory, you're hungry in one of the other territories. Right. When you're hungry, you're hungry. And right. you just want to have your needs met. Now, mm-hmm. um, with the time we got left this morning, one thing, I've toured your facility over there recently. We've you know had a couple of meetings. Uh, very impressed with the new addition uh, to the mm-hmm. building. Plus, you've got... you've. You've grown so much that you've had to expand to take in some other buildings. But yes. what's going to go on in the new expansion of your facility over there? Uh, the new expansion is really geared for uh, our growing volunteer work, where people come in and sort boxes, pack boxes, uh, label cans, uh, bag potatoes, bag onions. We have around 13,000 volunteers that come through our building every year. Uh, so... Our, our program had grown so much, and they were in the back corner. Uh, we just knew that we had to expand that area in order to be able to get the most out of our volunteers. I mean, literally, I would have to hire 21 to 30, 25 people to do what our volunteers do for us each year. Okay. So let me ask you, um, what mm-hmm. you know, and when I was up there, actually the strength coach from Bryant, uh, football team uh, mm-hmm. was up there and uh, he had I think maybe he was going to bring some of his football players the opportunity mm-hmm. to volunteer is wide and open as far as whether you got a you know you got a few hours you got a you got a mm-hmm. whole week because you've got a pretty cool scheduling system to where you can pick and choose which hours you want to work and kind of fill your own schedule tell them about that right. real quick yes you can go online to our website arkansasfoodbank.org and under the tab of I want to help you can go, you can see the uh, shifts that are open. I will tell you that COVID has limited us 
uh, for the past few weeks. We have developed our plan, though, and I'm excited for the middle of July to get here so that we can have our volunteers start coming back. Uh, right now, the coach at Bryan has been working with us through the Get Shift Done, which uh, has been uh, a donor, gave us some funding to work with an organization that developed an app where um, food service workers who have been laid off could have the opportunity to sign up for some shifts, and the donor actually is paying uh, them a wage. So it has been a really great project and partnership during this time when people are laid off. Cool. Hey, let me ask you, Rhonda, uh, I'm out of time, but would you be willing to come on my show if you could look at this Saturday or next Saturday? Uh, and let's talk about it a little bit more on the Kim Hammer show on Saturday from noon until one, uh, because mm-hmm. we really haven't done anything but scratch the surface. There's some other things like, for example, I want people to understand the concept that you actually put the food in the boxes and the boxes are delivered through a network mm-hmm. that you're developing throughout the state. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that I want to focus on that and also expand it to uh, maybe get some of the other CEOs of some of the other food banks because we try to be a state. We try to be a statewide show, and uh, so we'll work out those details. So if you want to get more about this, tune into the Kim Hammer Show on Saturdays from noon until one. We'll see if we make that happen this Saturday. Rhonda, would love to. Thank you very much for taking time. I know you got boxes Mm -hmm. to fill, so I appreciate you being on the Dave Ellswick Show this morning. Thank you so much, Senator. All right. We're going to go to the break here in just a few minutes. After we come back from the break, we're supposed to have Steve Walmack on. Hopefully, we'll get him called in to talk about what's going on. Uh, one of the things I want to say, leaving the show uh, at the bottom of the hour right now, is they're, I'm watching on the news, and they're talking about defunding police departments and dismantling police departments. And all I can say is, here's your sign. you got to be a special kind of stupid to think that dismantling the police departments is the solution to the problem. And what that tells me is that you're not thinking with a straight head. And we'll talk about that later on the Dave Ellswick Show. Good morning. Welcome back to the Dave Ellswick Show. This is State Senator Kim Hammer filling in for Dave, who is tied up taking care of a family matter involving a death. So we want to remember Dave in our prayers. And this morning, we've got a really full lineup. You just heard from Rhonda Sanders, who is the CEO of the uh, Food Bank of Central Arkansas. I'm actually going to get her on my show on Saturday, the Kim Hammer Show that's heard here on 101.1 FM every Saturday from noon until 1. Uh, going to work on getting her on this Saturday. Then uh, we're going to have rep- or, uh, Congressman, excuse me there, Congressman, Congressman Steve Walmack on here in just a second. Then we'll have Dole Webb on from 7 to 7.30, chairman of the uh, Arkansas Republican Party. And then Tim Campbell, gentleman that I think you will be very intrigued and very interested in. You'll get a fresh perspective on looking at some of the challenges that we're faced with here in Arkansas and throughout the nation as he brings a perspective about how to deal with uh, some of the issues that are on the table for discussion. Uh, you'll really enjoy that segment of the show. Then from 8 to 8.30, you got Alan Kerr, former insurance commissioner. We're going to talk about how to get your or why your insurance rates are so high and what are some of the things we can do to help pound them down. And then we'll finish out the Dave Ellswick show this morning from 830 to 9 with Wes Ward, who is the uh, Secretary of Agriculture here in the state of Arkansas. But right now, we are very blessed and uh, very appreciative of having Congressman Steve Walmack on the live. And uh, Congressman, thank you very much for taking time to be on the Dave Ellswick show this morning. Kim, it's always great to be with you. And uh, good morning to Central Arkansas. Uh, you know, we uh, spend most of my time in Northwest Arkansas. I get down to Central Arkansas once in a while, and uh, always enjoy my my time down there. And uh, so, greetings to everyone in uh, the central part of our state. Well, appreciate it very much because you know, as a senator myself, state senator, um, one of the things that 
we have to realize serving in the positions that we serve you at the national level, me at the state level, is that whatever decision we make while we represent our constituents that give us the privilege to serve them, uh, our decisions also have a, a statewide impact on the whole state, uh, you on the whole nation, as well as how it applies to us here in Arkansas. So I uh, really do appreciate you from the 3rd District coming on the show this morning to tell us. So give us a little insight. You guys are kind of the hot spot up there right now with COVID-19. You're you're getting your turn at it. We've had ours. Uh, how are things up in your district with regard to how people are handling this uh, COVID-19 situation? Well, I th- you know, Kim, I think we got kind of lulled into believing that Northwest Arkansas was going to be spared some of the hardships created by COVID-19, and we're finding out that not to be true because of the more recent incidences of uh, COVID-19 presence in in our region, and particularly uh, in those uh, closely confined areas where people work uh, side by side, and and I'm talking specifically in the food service industry and some of these processing facilities up here, and certainly as it has impacted uh, a lot of the minority community, the Hispanic community in Northwest Arkansas. So, yeah, we're getting our taste of it. And uh, and, and let me just tell you, it just illustrates the fact that this is a, uh, this is a virus that uh, doesn't discriminate. I mean, it, is, uh, it doesn't make any difference at all who you are and where you are if you don't observe a lot of the disciplinary uh, techniques that I think have proven to be successful in stopping the community spread and kind of, as we used to say, flattening that curve. If if you give up on those or if you get lulled into some sense of security and uh, become lax in, in that discipline, then it's, it's going to hit you. And, uh, you know, I'm going to present a flag to a family on Thursday morning of a well-known doctor in Northwest Arkansas uh, who was still treating patients, you know, up until the time that he, contracted COVID-19 on Memorial Day and uh, and died this weekend. Uh, Dr. Ray Hull, just a wonderful, wonderful person. And and um, his wife also had it, and uh, she has recovered, according to the family. So uh, this thing is, uh, this thing bears watching. Uh, we're not out of the woods, and uh, we certainly are hopeful that we can continue to uh, avoid what a lot of the other states, particularly up in the Northeast, have had to deal with with regard to COVID-19. But, uh, yeah, we're getting our taste of it. All right. And I, I want to uh, save a little time this morning to talk about what's going on in D.C. And are you in uh, are you in northwest Arkansas today or are you, you in D.C. this morning? I, I'm in northwest Arkansas. We are not in session. And, and, Kim, we're not scheduled to be in session until the end of this month. That's the calendar put out by Speaker Pelosi. However, I do believe that as conditions warrant, there could be some opportunities for Congress to be called back in for specific votes. Now, we are doing a lot of work by Zoom or WebEx. Uh, We had a budget hearing uh, with a couple of former CBO directors the other day. So, I mean, we are continuing to work. We're continuing to address our constituent needs. We're just not in Washington where we can be on the floor voting on important matters affecting our country. And there are many of those that are laying out there. And I mean, I can go through a laundry list of things that Congress should be dealing with right now. But instead, while the rest of America is trying to get back to work, uh, the House of Representatives at the federal level is uh, sitting at home. And uh, and I fault Speaker Pelosi for not uh, having the uh, uh, 
uh, foresight to be able to bring us back, practice those distancing measures and uh, the voting protocols that were in place uh, for some previous votes and having the Congress there working for the benefit of the American people. Well, I think that's uh, as an observer on the outside looking in and just, you know, seeing what I can see either through um, a uh, filtered news networks or, you know, just a little things you pick up on Facebook. It seems to me like her uh, priorities are not necessarily on getting the nation healed and getting it back on track as much as it is just trying to drive an agenda to get them through November so they can get a good spanking. That's editorial there. But uh, let me ask you, let me go back and ask you about COVID-19 and how it relates to businesses in your area. And then we'll move on to, you know, national issues. But uh, the businesses up in your district, uh, District 3, they how are they adjusting to getting opened back up and just what are some of the challenges that you're seeing and how are they creatively meeting the limitations that still remain on them? Well, it's a mixed bag, Kim, because uh, in many cases, particularly in our restaurants, you know, you can only go up to like a third of the of the um, headcount that you would normally have. And there have been restaurants that have informed me that, that their drive-throughs have been doing remarkably well and have kept them with their head above water through this uh, phenomenon and that they are choosing not necessarily to reopen their dining facilities for, uh, for eat-in uh, applications because one, their drive-throughs have done well. And number two, they don't want to become, you know, the, the policeman of the COVID-19 pandemic. And so I, th- so I think in some cases they're waiting for, uh, that that next phase when that uh, percentage of dine-in opportunities can go higher. Um, there are places up here that have done remarkably well in terms of uh, sales. I mean, you take all of your big box hardware stores like Lowe's and Home Depot, I think you would find that they have, uh, in some cases, had record months. Walmart obviously does very well in situations like we're in right now. Uh, I've had some anecdotal uh, feedback from, say, my boat uh, salespeople. You know, we're out here by Beaver Lake, and uh, one, one of my companies down here told me they have sold their complete inventory of boats and struggling to find other boats uh, to bring in uh, to to sell to a demanding public. So that's been kind of a, a, a unique situation for uh, this uh, particular phenomenon. But at the end of the day, it, there's no question what it has impacted business. And uh, most people are, are, you know, there's a lot of pent-up demand. They're wanting to get back in business or wanting to get back to making sales and try to achieve some kind of normalcy as much as possible. And uh, and and I think they're doing a pretty good job of, of managing through it. Now, um, you know, time will tell whether or not we see an increase in the uh, more of an increase in the positive testings. As you do more testing, you're probably going to see an increase. But uh, whether it's related to the reopening of the economy, I think uh, still is to be seen. One other note, Kim, and, and you watch this at your in your position as a state legislator, and that is we uh, in Arkansas are really sales tax dependent. All of our municipalities our counties, our state rely on the retail sales numbers that come in every year based on consumer spending. <clears throat> and consumer spending, as you know, is about 70% of GDP. 
um, mixed bag of results when we got the results from the uh, month of collections back to the state and cities and counties that reflected March sales. Uh, we had some cities and counties that were up. We had some that were down. Uh, I think we'll get a much better picture about the third week of this month when those numbers are reported for the month of April, which would be the first full month of uh, the pandemic. So doing a pretty good job. Um, I'm, I'm a, I've got a wait-and-see attitude right now as to whether uh, more uh, restrictions need to be in place or whether we need to reopen further. All right, very good. You were talking about uh, about boat sales. I've uh, passed your church, and one of the church members went out and bought a new uh, boat recently. And the one thing I find is that with the extra time that people have had on their hands, if they if they're you know, and and with the stimulus package coming through and the you know the extremely uh, uh, generous unemployment package that came through, it seems like the pipeline has continued to flow as far as money for people to get out and make purchases. I know I drive by car lots and their car inventory has dwindled, but the underlying to that is I also have friends that you know they kind of make a sideline business of buying and selling stuff, and they can't keep stuff right now because it seems like people are in the in the mood to get out and to spend and to buy and it's helping recreate the economic engine with the stock market rebounding the way it is and uh, a spirit of optimism growing back it seems like uh, we are on the pathway to economic recovery would you agree or disagree or what's your perspective on the future as far as our economic engine re recharging kind of reminds me of the thorough the great thoroughbreds in the in, in the starting gate at oakland park <clears throat> you know, ready to, ready to race. Uh, and, and as soon as those gates open, I mean, they explode out of those gates. And I think the economy will do the same thing. There's a lot of pent-up demand. We have stimulated this economy with a lot of money. Interest rates are low. People can borrow money. Uh, there's just a tremendous, I think, great climate, great opportunity out there for this economy to go great guns. And I think the stock market maybe today is a, a, a bit of a you know, uh, uh, you know, an exception to that with the futures trading a little bit lower, but uh, for several days of big increases. So I, I think uh, I, I think the stock traders see something in there that uh, that I'm beginning to witness, and that is that there's a lot of pent up demand and a lot of opportunity. Let me ask you about one issue that's not only a national issue, but uh, states are looking at dealing with it, and that is protection for our businesses with regards to. Uh, being liable for any COVID-19 related illnesses, such as an employer maybe that has an employee that contracts it, and maybe that passes on to a customer who comes in the store, comes in the restaurant. Uh, What are your thought processes on how to deal with that? And is there anything at the national level being done that would uh, alleviate the need for the states to do it at the state level? I think it's going to require both. One, uh, Senator McConnell leader in the Senate has made it kind of a red line item that in future coronavirus legislation, if there's going to be another package, uh, then you're going to have to have some liability protection in there. You can't ask businesses in Arkansas or around the country to reopen without giving at least some partial relief to these owners from uh, from facing the the massive uh, onslaught of lawsuits from people who might be returning to work to get that paycheck and then find themselves uh, compromised and, uh, and and suffer from COVID-19. 
uh, I believe there is, um, and there's a lot of talk about it, and there are different proposals that are pending right now. But I think at the end of the day, um, Senator McConnell has made it quite clear, and I agree with him, that if we're going to do anything else to, to stimulate this economy, we're going to have to have some liability protection in there in some way. And I think the states are also going to have to look at this as an opportunity to take that next step in reopening the Arkansas economy uh, by uh, providing some liability. And you can do this, Kim. You can do this without just uh, foregoing all safety uh, mechanisms and protocols for uh, for for your workers. There are different things you can do to kind of relax that uh, standard, so to speak, to protect the local businessman. So, because everything he does is a risk reward type situation, and if you don't if you don't offer some liability protection, then uh, they likely are going to default to a situation that. Look, I just can't open because I can't afford to be hit with a lawsuit should one of my employees come down with COVID-19. The other thing that we're doing, and I think doing well, and particularly in the food processing areas up here, is that they have gone to great extremes to create the kind of uh, safeguards in place. That is, when people are working side by side, to have kind of that plexiglass uh, separation there. Uh, We're doing a very good job up here of of uh, establishing the kind of infrastructure in some of these workplaces that can help slow and stop the spread of COVID-19 from person to person, that community spread situation. So, yeah, it's going to be a a, a liability protection is going to have to happen if there's going to be another package. And if there's not another package, uh, then uh, then we'll see where it goes from there. Okay, I got to take a break. If you can hang on when we come back, we're going to go check traffic sure. real quick for our listening audience. You're listening to Congressman Steve Walmack on the Dave Ellswick Show. This is Kim Hammer, State Senator, filling in for Dave today. You come back after the break, we'll check the traffic and we'll finish up with Congressman Steve Walmack. Welcome back to the Dave Ellswick Show. This is State Senator Kim Hammer filling in for Dave, who's off on a family manner involving a death. And so let's just uh, keep him in our prayers, if you would. Uh, For the rest of the lineup this morning, uh, right now we have Congressman Steve Walmack to finish up this portion. 7 to 7.30, we're going to have Dole Webb, chairman of the state Republican Party, on to talk about things relevant to what's going on. And then at at, uh, 7.30 to 8, I've got a gentleman named Tim Campbell who will be on, and it will be a very enlightening, honest, transparent discussion about the environment that we're in, both as a state and as a nation, involving some of the tension that's going on. I think you'll be very uh, benefited by hearing that conversation, as you are all the conversations we're having this morning. But uh, from 8 to 8.30, I'll have Alan Kerr, former insurance commissioner, on to talk about insurance and uh, why the rates are so high and what can be done to pound them down a little bit. And then 8.30 to 9, we've got uh, Wes Ward, Secretary of Agriculture for here in the state of Arkansas. We're going to talk about some things uh, related to agriculture all the way from feral hogs. If you're having problems with feral hogs staring up your property to trying to get the crop in with the three-inch rain and uh, all things in between, and we'll finish up our time this morning on the Dave Ellswick Show. Right now, uh, still have Congressman Steve Walmack on the line, who represents the 3rd District here in Arkansas, which is pretty much up in the northwest corner. Thank you, uh, Congressman, for taking time to be with us. We were talking before we took the break about what needs to be done to protect businesses. If you don't mind, just kind of, do we really need anything just in-depth, complicated? You were talking about that before we took the break. In your idea, or in your mind, what's the idea of kind of uh, reform or protection we need to give businesses in the simplest of forms for the need right now? Well, generally speaking, if a business is observing the best management practices 
uh, and the guidance and directives uh, that are issued by the Centers for Disease Control, then I think uh, that 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 would constitute, in my strong opinion, a good faith effort by that business to protect its workers. Now, if it's uh, if it's not observing those best management practices or those distancing disciplines that we talked about before the break, if they're not doing that and they're just back in it to make a dollar, then that's a totally different subject. So I think the basis for reform should be if, in fact, based on the current guidelines as established by the reputable institutions in our country that are uh, that are tasked with providing this information, and I'm talking specifically CDC, and there are other health departments in the state of Arkansas and around the country. If, in fact, you are observing those practices and those disciplines, then I think there should be liability protection. So th- th- that, that kind of forms the basis for it. And if you don't do that, as I said before, Kim, it's risk-reward. If, if the risk is you're going to be hauled into court and uh, facing a lot of lawyers and a lot of expensive litigation – then I think a lot of these businesses are going to decide not to put themselves into that category. So I, th- I think they're looking to government to help fix a problem so that they can help the government help itself by reopening. Okay. I've got about two minutes, so let me give you the open mic to talk for the next two minutes about what's of interest to you. And by the way, you got a great website. Uh, I've been up kind of cr- cruising it a little bit. you got a great website, and that's uh, Congressman Steve Walmack. You want to go up there and check out his website. A lot of valuable information in there. So you got about two minutes, Congressman. What would you like to say to the people of Arkansas and uh, anything of particular interest to you? Well, a couple of things come to mind. Number one, uh, we're dealing with a serious pandemic. It has impacted our economy. It's impacted the public health. Uh, but from from the economic perspective, let us, let, let's remember that the nearly $3 trillion that Congress has already signed into law and kicked out the door, some of which hasn't been spent, much of it has. Let's remember this is borrowed money. We were going to have a trillion-dollar deficit when we went into this year. The Democrats didn't do a budget resolution. They just kind of looked the other way on a, on a matter of a trillion-dollar deficit, and we're going to add substantially to that. I think it's already over $2 trillion, the deficit for, for fiscal 20. Um, we've got to be careful that we don't just in a panic start uh, pushing a lot of money out the door and throwing it uh, at the wall and hoping some of it sticks and and helps. We've got to be much more targeted in our approach if we're going to be releasing any more money. Uh, The Paycheck Protection Program was one of the things we got right, Uh, but future stimulus money, um, any other uh, any other resources that we make available, let's just remember this is adding to a deficit in debt that was already out of control and a deficit and a future debt that's going to be paid for by future generations in the form of higher taxes. So that, that would be one of my concerns. The other thing I'll say real quickly, uh, I'm seconds. also an appropriator. I'm, I'm also an appropriator, and we've got the entire appropriations bills for the fiscal 21 uh, year still to to work on both house and senate so we got a lot of work national flood insurance program the defense authorization water resources development highway surface transportation we got a laundry list of things we need to get back to work 
and I'm looking forward to doing that. Very good. You've been joined or I've had with me this morning, Congressman Steve Walmack and Congressman, truly appreciate the time. You're always a gentleman, always uh, informative, and I appreciate that. Look at his website, Steve Walmack, Congressman, and we'll be back in just a minute after we take a break to listen to the news, traffic, and weather on the Dave Ellswick Show. State Senator filling in for Dave Ellswick, who is uh, out of state taking care of a death in the family. So remember them in your prayers, if you would, please. Got quite a full lineup for the rest of the morning. We're going to have Dole Webb on here in just a second, the uh, chairman of the Republican Party of the state of Arkansas. We started off the first hour with Rhonda Sanders, who is the CEO of the Food Bank here in central Arkansas. I'm actually going to get her on my show, which is the Kim Hammer Show, heard here each week on Saturday from noon until 1 on 101.1 FM, The Answer. You can watch it Facebook Live. And then we just had Congressman Steve Walmack on uh, from the 3rd District, which is primarily the northwest corner of the state. Glad that he took time to be out with us and a very informative conversation. Encourage you to look at his website. He's got a killer website as far as it's got that little ticker about how much debt we're running up. It's uh, It might depress you a little bit. You can watch that part for a minute. But he's got some really good information on his website. So I encourage you to go up there and check out uh, Congressman Steve Walmack's website. And then we're going to be joined at 7.30 to 8 by a gentleman named Tim Campbell. Uh, Tim is an individual that just came back from a three-year stint in West Africa. Uh, he's going to bring a very interesting perspective. We're going to have a very enlightening and transparent conversation about the environment that we're in today, both as a state and a nation. I think you're going to be interested to hear his perspective on things, uh, given his angle and view of the situation in life. 8 to 8.30, I should have on Alan Kerr, who is the former insurance commissioner of the state of Arkansas. Arkansas. We'll be talking about insurance and about the driving costs of insurance and what we can do and different things can be done to drive it down and what are the attributors to high insurance rates. And then from 830 to 9, we're going to have on Wes Ward, who is the Secretary of Agriculture for here in the state of Arkansas and uh, the farmers and some of the issues that they're facing and also some of the things that uh, even if you're not a farmer, they're going to affect your life that you want to tune in and listen to that from 830 to 9. Uh, also want to remind you that if you're enjoying today's show, you can go to 101.1 FM, the answer.com, uh, get the podcast or watch the podcast of this show, share it with your friends, and uh, they'll be much more educated as a result of it. I told people I'll go, you're going to get three hours continuing ed credit for watching the show today. So it'll be a real informative show for the rest of the morning as it has been so far. You can also go up to the Facebook page, 101.1 FM, The Answer, or the Dave Wellswick Show Facebook page, and be able to get uh, videos of this show as well. You can even go up to, I've got it put up on mine, thekimhammershow.com. You can even get uh, portions of the show this morning by going there. One thing I want to say before we ring Doyle online, I did not realize this, but we had Sand, uh, we had Rhonda Sanders on, the CEO of the Arkansas Food Bank. So I walked into the break room at the top of the hour, and lo and behold, there she is on the front page of Arkansas Living, 
the June 2020 edition. So you might want to look at these are free, actually, and they're put out by a publication of the members of First Electric Cooperative. Uh, you might want to pick that up. and You'll get more informed about the food banks of Arkansas. And there's Rhonda right there on the front cover, smiling just as she ever does. So pretty. All right, now we've got Dole Webb, who is the chairman of the Republican Party of the state of Arkansas, on for this segment of the show. And, Dole, thank you for taking time out to be uh, with Kim Hammer on the Dave Ellswick Show today. Senator, it's always a pleasure to be with you. Um, I'm standing here looking at in downtown Benton, uh, and I invite people to come to downtown Benton and, and walk the Southwest Trail where people went to fight for Texas freedom and see the super house and see our historic courthouse. It's a great place to be. I know you love it as well. Well, I do. And uh, the downtown area has certainly revitalized and continues to grow down there. We actually have uh, two new restaurants that have moved into the area that are uh, very busy. They're practicing social distancing. Department of Health, if you're listening, it's okay. Don't go down there. But, uh, you know, all of our restaurants are being pretty compliant, actually. But, uh, yeah, it is a downtown area that is vibrant and thriving. They've got the farmer's market down there as well. Uh, Great time to go and get your produce if you're looking for good produce. Gan Museum, uh, only building in the world made of bauxite blocks. Just a great place to come. Bring your kids. Great quality of life. Great safety. Right, and you know one good thing, and I, you know, I know I'm a state senator for District 33, and obviously I want to, you know, put the spotlight on that. But when you do a circle around, uh, a lot of the areas are revitalizing their downtown areas. Conway's got a great uh, downtown yes. area. Uh, I know yes. even Bryant is trying to revitalize their yes. old downtown area. Uh, Cabot, Absolutely. yeah. So I mean, it's it's money well invested in the community to do that. Absolutely, so. absolutely. Well, let me open up well, the mic for just a minute and give you a chance just to kind of share what's on your heart, and then I've got a few specific things I want to talk about. But what would Dole Webb, the chairman of the Republican Party of Arkansas, like to say to the listeners this morning? I, w- I want to be the uh, canary in the coal mine and tell your listeners to watch out for what people are trying to put on the ballot this year. There are two particular issues that they need to be aware of, and they don't need to sign the petitions. One is the Arkansas Citizens Redistricting Commission, and the other one has to do with a term that very few Arkansans are familiar with. It's called rank choice voting. Now, both of these are intended to change Arkansas from a red state to a blue state. And I will tell you, my friends over on the Democrat side will do anything to regain power once they have lost power, particularly if they can confuse the voting public. <clears throat> Let me say this, Kim. If, if people know that every 10 years we have a census, and after that, we redistrict, okay? And since about 1920, Arkansas has used three elected officials, three executive branch, three people who are responsible to all the citizens of Arkansas, the governor, the attorney general, and the secretary of state to do the redistricting for legislative districts. And we've used the legislature to draw the lines for congressional districts. Okay, That's been the case since 1920. Uh, there's been apparently some gerrymandering through the days, uh, but I have to quickly add that Republicans have never been in control of either of those processes. It's always been Democrat controlled. 
Well, along comes us, and we we change this state, and we're moving it in the right direction, good conservative values. And what do they do? They try, and the Democrats try and come in to change the process, to confuse you, okay? So let me first talk about the citizen, what's, what's known as the Citizens Redistricting Commission, which I believe is anything but citizen-oriented. It, if it gets on the ballot, there would be individuals appointed by legislators and uh, the chief justice of the Supreme Court who have no connection uh, has not have not participated in politics uh, to any any great extent who would draw the lines both for congressional districts and legislative now there's no accountability when you have an appointed commission like this there's no elected official that you can call up and and, and talk to about this and this this is this is coming about as a result of obama and his cronies trying to change the legislatures and trying to change the makeup of congress uh when when they haven't been able to do so through the electorate hey let me ask you let me interrupt you and ask you something because as you were saying that i i don't know there's a good analogy or a bad analogy so i'll just put myself at risk you know i think about how frustrated people get whenever we as legislator pass laws and then we go into uh somebody goes into a court and a judge makes an individual interpretation of that law based on an individual slant or individual mindset or set of political perspectives that they want to apply from the bench. I mean, what you're describing to me is about the same thing. It's just going to uh, it's just going to be relevant to the redistricting process that instead of us making the laws and going by the laws as far as how the areas are redrawn, you're just pretty much going to turn it over to a person or a group of persons, a very small group of persons yes. with no accountability that are going to, you know, in comparison, rule from the bench and say, this is the way it is. And if you don't like it, tough. Is that a, is that a right. fair analogy? I or think not? that's a very good analogy because you can't take them out. But they are there. Their decision is final. There's no appeal to this group. Okay. And once again, we don't know who those are. They're unelected. Unlike the legislature drawing congressional districts, and you're having Democrat, Republicans, and independents involved in that. And then the uh, executive branch officials, the governor, secretary of state, and attorney general, drawing the legislative branch. Once again, accountability, no self-dealing, in, uh, because they're not drawing statewide districts, okay? Uh, so I think your example is very good. And once again, I'm the canary in the coal mine. You know, we need to watch out. I'm chirping. We've got problems here. The other one is a term that uh, is something that we've never had in America. Matter of fact, it isn't American-born. The only state who, <clears throat> excuse me, has recently adopted it is the city uh, or the state of Maine, and it's called rank, ranked, R-A-N-K-E-D, choice voting. Now, what is that? Well, this, this would be a separate ballot issue. What this is, is first off, it would do away with party primaries. Okay? We would have, if, if you love what they do in Louisiana and California, you'll love this. Okay? It's, it's akin to uh, a jungle primary on steroids. And what do I mean by that? Okay? You've got people running, they're not in a party primary. They don't have to designate which party they're, they are a member of, 
So that would be, you know, once again, you, you don't know who's the conservative and who's the liberal. And on top of that, when you go to your ballot, let's say there's four people running in a particular office, anything but president, okay? Four people. You would say, okay, this one's number one, this one's number two, this one's number three, and this one's number four. You rank your choices, okay? And uh, if one of those gets more than 50%, they win, okay, in the, in the, in the, in the uh, early primary period of time. If no one gets 50%, then you leave the top two, and let's say you go to the third person, and his second choice was number two. Well, there's percentage of his vote that's added to the number two candidate. Let's say number four, the, uh, his second choice was number two also. Well, his vote, a portion of his vote, which is very confusing, is added to number two also. Number two could win without a runoff, people never intending that that should be the first runner. So that's the ranked choice part of it. As I say, it's a jungle primary on steroids, and I think it's fully intended to confuse the voting public. Well, I don't know if it confused the voting public, and I'd try to be attentive and listen, uh, but that is about as confusing as it can be, and it brought to mind the scripture that God is not the author of confusion, so this has got to be born out of the bowels of hell that this it kind is. of... And just imagine if there's seven or eight candidates, you're you're ranking them, okay? And, and then someone, and I don't know who the, the great Solomon is in all of this, uh, is going to d- discern what percentages go where and who ultimately is your elected official. Okay, okay? and I got I got to take a break. But if that's not sure. an opportunity for fraud and manipulation and gerrymandering, I don't know what is. Got to take a break, Doyle. Hang on, if you will. No uh, we're going to go on at this time and check news and traffic. You're listening to the Dave Ellswick Show with the host, Kim Hammer, State Senator, filling in for Dave today. We'll be back with Doyle Webb, chairman of the Arkansas Republican Party, talking about some of those uh, amendments they're trying to get on the ballot that you really don't want to have. All right. Take us to a break, Heidi. Good morning. This is Kim Hammer, State Senator, filling in for Dave Ellswick this morning. Uh, we want to keep his family in prayers as he's dealing with the death in the family. You're waking up to a rainy morning, but from seven stories up, I can give you hope because I think I see the sun on the horizon, so hang in there. It's going to turn out to be a beautiful day by the time it's all said and done. We have Dole Webb, chairman of the Republican Party of Arkansas, on, and we're talking about some of the constitutional amendments that they're trying to get onto the ballots. One of them is the Arkansas Citizens Redistricting and then the ranked choice voting. So, Doyle, let me ask you this question, because when we were when we left for the break, we were talking about the ranked choice voting. Uh, that mm-hmm. sounded about as confusing. And why would you in the world want to go to a more confusing system instead of keeping the transparent system that you have already? And who do you think, or are you willing to say, is behind in the agenda to get these things on the ballot? <clears throat> Well, the uh, I, I can tell you that uh, our old friend David Couch is behind both of these, uh, and I can tell you that there is a lot, a lot of out-of-state money coming in to promote these to change Arkansas from a red state to a blue state. You know, I know a lot of Dave's listeners believe that we should have party registration and that when when we elect when we choose a party candidate, that only Republicans should choose that. <laughs> Well, that's that's going to that baby's going to be thrown out with 
with uh, that water, that, that baby's going to be thrown out, okay, with the bathwater on this deal, because it, it, your more moderate to liberal candidates will be elected because the goal will be to focus away from the majority candidate and to those who are lesser and giving their votes to a second choice winner. Okay, Uh, I know that's it's it is as confusing as confusing can be. uh, And that's the reason it's to me, it's not American. Okay, it's not the, the majority rules. It's maybe your second and third choice rules and maybe your second and third choice would never have been your first choice if you'd really looked at them. Well, the best way to stop this from happening is just don't. Well, a couple things. One, just don't sign. If somebody, and I would say that on everything, if somebody sticks something in front of you, wants you to sign it, and you don't have the time to read it in details, or it's something that you're not familiar with, you're under no obligation to sign something that somebody puts in front of you. Uh, Absolutely. And and that's the best thing to do is just don't sign because if they can't get the signatures, then they can't get it on the ballot, and that right. would be the best right. thing to do. Um, second thing is make sure that you spread the word to your family and to your friends the same thing. It needs to be as much a grassroots effort to stop it as – and I'm not even sure this is a grassroots effort that's behind what's being done no. as much as it is big money from out of state trying to take away right. from the citizens of Arkansas through deception and confusion um, – you know, through through these practices, am I am I being we're, overkill, we're just, or is that right? No, we're, we're, you know, they they view us. We're just old, stupid Arkansans. We don't know that Arkansas should be a conservative state. They they know better for us than we know. And uh, I will tell you that uh, you can easily go to the Secretary of State and see where millions of dollars are coming in on these. Uh, and, and they're out of state. And uh, it's something – let me say this. I, it's something we need to very well be aware of. And this is just the first bite at the apple. We will talk about this a lot more and a lot more. Because if you're a Republican, if you're a conservative, you should be opposed to both of these issues. Okay, just it's period. There's no middle ground here. They are trying to take away your conservative state. I tell you what I'd like to do is get you on the Kim Hammer show on Saturday from noon until one and a couple other people that have some, you know, uh, knowledge of this subject and have a have an in-depth hour long discussion on it, because I think what's important for people to understand is and and this i've said i've made this statement before i think that we are viewed as a state as a soft target and people with money with Mm -hmm. ill intent Mm -hmm. invest Mm -hmm. money into the state to get things done here so that they can you know kind of be the start working the region i think it happened that way with medical marijuana uh and now Mm -hmm. um you know they were never going to take it to recreational marijuana but we know now that was a lie because you know some of the same people promoting recreation or medical marijuana are now promoting recreational marijuana and that was part of the strategy all along they're playing the long game Um, Mm -hmm. so the more Mm -hmm. we can do to put attention on out-of-state money and people from out-of-state coming in and trying to take our state in a direction i don't think the majority of people want to go uh, the better off we will be to educate people and, and in that area. And, you know, I believe I believe conservatives and Republicans are very, very well educated and very well read, and they can see through this. But we just have to shine the bright light on well, it. Well, and I'm, I'm down to a minute, so I'm going to have to let you go. Yeah. Not only do we need to put the light on it, but we also have to be motivated. We have to be more motivated than the other side who are trying to do these things to our state and get up and get out and vote and register other people to vote but then we got to turn people out to vote uh if you don't 
if you don't want this, or you'll wake up and it'll be a sad day the next day. All right. Thank you, Doyle. This is Doyle. Senator, you're a great guy. All right. And uh, Dave and his family's in my prayers. Thank you. Thank you. That's Doyle Webb, chairman of the Republican Party of Arkansas. And we're going to take a break here at the bottom of the hour, get some news, some traffic, some weather. And when we come back, I'm going to have a gentleman named Tim Campbell on. And we're going to have a real honest, transparent, enlightening discussion about uh, some of the environment that's going on here in the state, but also at the national level, and put a fresh perspective on how to view it here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Welcome back to the Dave Ellswick Show. This is State Senator Kim Hammer filling in for Dave, who is dealing with the family death. So our prayers for him and his family as they go through this time of grief. And this morning already we've had on the show Rhonda Sanders, who is the CEO of the Food Banks of Central Arkansas. And then she was followed by Congressman Steve Walmack. And then we had Dole Webb, chairman of the state Republican Party of Arkansas, talking about some of the amendments that they're trying to get on the Constitution through signature gathering. I would just give you this advice. If you're a good, solid conservative and you don't want to see things wrecked around here, uh, don't sign anything that anybody puts in front of your face, uh, especially if you don't read it. That'd be kind of silly. That'd be like walking into the uh, mortgage company and saying, I don't care about the details. Just where do I sign? And I'll worry about paying for it later. You have that attitude. You're going to pay for it. and You're going to pay for it for a long long time if you're not educated on what they are trying to get on the ballot through the signature initiative this time around and then Dole sent me a message and one thing you might want to do is just google ranked choice voting ranked choice voting uh, when you have time and just go up there and get educated because that'll give you a taste of the mindset and the intent of people that are out trying to do these things to the state of Arkansas. Now, we're going to be joined here by Tim Campbell on the line. One of the things I want to share with you is if you haven't had a chance to watch all the show or maybe you got to work, you can't have your radio on for the remainder of the show, the good news is you can go up to 101.1 FMTheAnswer.com and you can plug in uh, to the podcast and watch the shows or get the entirety of the shows on the podcast and or go to Facebook Live, 101.1 FM, The Answer, or the Dave Ellswick Show Facebook page. You can even go up to the Kim Hammer Show Facebook page and uh, get uh, this this program in its entirety this morning. All right, this morning we're being joined by a gentleman named Tim Campbell on the line. And, Tim, if I got you on the, on the line this morning. Hey, thanks for having me. Very good. Thank you for uh, being on the Dave Ellswick show this morning, spending a little time with us. Now, just to give people a little bit of an idea of your background, you just came off a a three-year visit to West Africa, I think it was. Why don't you just give people a little bit of an idea of who you are and some of your background, some of your educational components, et cetera. Okay, great. Um, Yeah, I've just finished a a 22-and-a-half stint in West Africa uh, where I was working with malnourished kids and working in community development. I uh, worked in a uh, rural village, no lights, no water, no um, no electric system. So I served my country by doing that. I graduated um, with a health science degree at University of Arkansas at Palm Bluff. I'm currently a second-year student at the Clinton School of Public Service as we speak, waiting for that master's in next May. Very good. And you are a resident of Central Arkansas, correct? I am born and raised on Wolf Street, um, the street that has that got a lot of attention in the 90s for the gangbang on Little Rock um, scene. Okay, very good. Well, thank you for joining on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, part of the conversation I wanted to have with you this morning is your perspective on where things are now, both within the state but also at the national level, and give some insight from your perspective as far as are we going in the right direction and with uh, groups like Black Lives Matters and how – uh, the the labeling and some of the 
uh, perception and some of the reputation that's being developed. Just give it to us from your perspective as far as where we are and even a sense of direction of how we need to move forward. Um, in terms of where America is, um, everybody's focused in right now on the last three murders, Ahmaud Arbery, um, George Floyd, and Breonna Taylor. These were more so tipping point situations for, I know, a lot of black Americans. There has been countless um, murderings by police among uh, black Americans, especially between the ages of 18 and 32. Um, these last um, uh, situations were more so tipping points and more so the last straw re- really for a lot of black Americans. The uh, One of the things I was noticing i was doing a little research and just for the listening audience uh tim and i did have a conversation last night about the content of the show uh just to give you you know just some some transparency if you would uh tim is a for for you as an individual though do you think that the response to what has happened has been appropriate or moving forward or could it have been handled differently because it seems like a lot of what gets the attention when you look at the you know you listen to the sound bites or you watch the uh, news reports that it it doesn't in my opinion doesn't really represent a constructive way for us to move forward not ignoring the issue because there there are situations you know that have to be discussed and addressed but it's the the debate over how do we move forward and how we deal with it at this time what are your thoughts on that my my thoughts on that there has been a vast amount of violence going on around the country um in terms of looting people burning things up people and uh, mostly black people are really really angry um about the current state of black america as it relates to the dominant society and that change that we want to kind of see um america has always been in constant state of change it's always been a constant state of moving forward but the issue with a lot of black americans is how much are we included in that constant state of being pushed forward as a nation are we included in the front lines of that um of the of the benefits that come from moving forward and that's what sparked the anger in terms of black americans now i do disagree with the the burning and the looting and things like that i'm all for protest um but a lot of black Mer- black americans however are feeling like well we've marched for hundred uh, uh since the civil rights we've marched we've protested we've done all of these things but there's still no accountability for police officers when they when black lives are um taken at the account of their um inability to to, to police properly um i'm not i'm not for violence i'm not for you know the the, the burning and the looting i think that there's a i think that is a step back in terms of progress um, because being that you know the burn the burnings of buildings, these buildings are insured. These um these 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 windows that you're busting are going to be fixed probably within the next days. But when it comes down to racism itself, there's no insurance policy on racism. You can't you can't have you can't be affected by it and call a certain number and it's going to be fixed. That has to only be fixed by dialogue, honest conversations like the one we're having today, and transparency. But you don't condone as far as the because here's what I see happening. And, you know, so so something happens like Mr. Floyd's death. Um, and, and let me just make sure the listening audience is clear on this. I don't excuse the police officers actions that were involved in that. But also, uh, I think if we have to be a civilized society, you have to live and operate under 
the umbrella that everybody is proven uh, everybody is innocent until proven guilty and we have to let the judicial system run its course and in this case i think having learned from previous lessons uh that this situation is being addressed quickly uh as far as department of justice getting involved in the way they're going about trying to get to the truth of what happened so we cannot excuse the actions of the police officers but yet at the same token even though maybe that was what ignited the situation uh we cannot at the same time condone that the reaction to that is what we're seeing in the way of looting rioting and destruction would you would you agree with that statement tim or do you disagree or why I think that it's, it's, it, it goes both ways. I think in terms of due process, I think that we live in a different age where these crimes or acts of um, that are apparently horrendous, they are being taken place on camera now. Everyone, the whole world, from toddlers to older people, can see um, the atrocities and effects. The guy was on the ground. He said, I couldn't breathe. He, it was like nine minutes to have your neck, your knee on someone's neck for nine minutes. Um, this guy has been charged. The murder, the murder has been bumped up from a third degree to a second degree, which is great. But like you said, as black Americans, we also have to learn to be patient to weigh out the due, press, due process and, and, and have respect to what can happen in terms of what's going to happen in terms of the courtroom when he's judged by um, a, a court of his peers. Now, in terms of that, my, my, my disposition with that is black people are tired now. They're tired today. Um, and apparently you see also see a lot of white protesters out coming out in solidarity. They're also tired now, and they're tired today. Um, uh, Floyd's death was, was tragic, but it hasn't been the only police killing this year. Um, it hasn't been the only white-on-black killing this year. So with that being said, black Americans are tired of having to go home and explain to their kids, this is what happened to a black man today. This is what happened to a black woman today. They're tired of telling their kids to be extra safe. Don't put your hoodie on and be a good little boy when you're walking. Don't run too fast. They may think you're running away from something. And they're tired of having conversations with their kids and not being able to explain this to the global population of America. And they're tired and they're and they're and they're fed up with the injustices in terms of police brutality. Let me ask you, how do you respond to this? So in recent weeks, there have also been uh, black officers that have been killed. I think of one you know, young mother, I think of the retired uh, police officer up there in St. Louis. Um, and, and some of this was an action of a black person against a black cop. Some of it's a white person against a black cop. Do we get so – are we going to get anywhere, in your opinion, when we try to segregate it by which race did what to who versus a platform that focuses on what are the challenges that we need to address, uh, respecting the fact that each race brings with it not only its benefits but its baggage as well? Because while it is that, in this case, three white officers, one Asian, uh, were – contributed to the death justice will tell uh to the death of of mr floyd we also cannot deny the fact that if we're going to make black lives matter we have to take all black lives matter including those black police officers that were killed how do you how do you respond to that or how do you feel about that I think that I think that there has to be justice on both sides of the coin, and that's what black people are pushing for. Um, when you talk about Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter is a holistic 
is a holistic palette in which in which in which accountability is laid. So black lives doesn't just matter. It doesn't just matter. This is what I'm in in in, in 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 progress of. It doesn't just matter when white person kills a black person. It matters in our health system, healthcare system, mental health. It matters in all directions. It matters with HIV AIDS and our and our trans men and our trans women. It have it, it matters physically. And a lot of these issues within the black community are not being properly responded to. Um, so when you do have situations where um, a black guy kills a black cop, um, that doesn't get as much media um, as a white person killing a black person. Um, it doesn't get the media that it deserves. And I even had to Google and look into what was going on with that situation because I wasn't aware of it. So everybody doesn't get that global um, view when it's that type of situation. Um, and I blame a lot of that on the media. I think that there's a there's an assumption that that black lives only matter, and there's no concern for black lives when it's between African Americans, and that could never be further from the truth. Well, and I'm looking at one statistic that says that data shows that 93 percent of black homicide victims are killed by other blacks, and the, I think the and just for the record, you're not you're not a affiliated with black lives matters you're not a representative of black lives matter is that correct i'm not no i'm not there's no chapter in arkansas i'm not affiliate okay all right so yeah i I just wanted to get that distinction out there because the one thing that i find refreshing about a conversation like this is that if we can take a look at the issue not focused on just one event in time that i think is used as a platform uh, maybe for ulterior motives, which doesn't really address the problems that I hear you saying need to be addressed. Uh, I think that is what's going to constructively take us away from where we are and get us to where we want to be. Um, because even, you know, sometimes races, the, the, the enemies with the, the enemies that attack the races are often from within the race themselves. Um, and, Talk a little bit about what you feel as far as that statistic that shows 93% of black homicide victims are killed by other blacks, and, and give me a perspective of how you think that ought to be addressed. In terms of that, I, I also looked at the numbers, and I also um, was surprised that 85% of white crimes, white violent crimes, are committed against white their count white counterparts. Usually these violent crimes are you are committed by where you feel most comfortable and who the people you know in terms of proximity. So I'm more likely to commit I mean commit a crime against someone that looks like me because of proximity and the segregation of our communities that still goes on today. Um in terms of black on black crime, every you know, that's 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 something that every race is dealing with. Um yes, the African American numbers may be slightly higher than other races, but in terms of Black Lives Matter, that's not necessarily the narrative and, and, and what's and what's and what's what's pushing these black people over the edge kind of. The issue with that is the justice. The difference is the justice. So when a black person kills a black person, being that black people are one point one one third of our prison population, there's a conviction and most times a over conviction rate for black people when police kill white when police kill black counterparts, there is almost three to five percent conviction rate and in 2000 um 2016 i think it was like 
uh, the statistics say nearly a thousand police shootings, and only 35 percent of that a thousand were convicted and actually tried. So we're also getting these video cameras of people, um, of, of police officers committing these crimes against blacks, and they and, and they don't learn. And we look at the trainings of police; they don't learn choking. They don't learn putting your knee on someone's neck for nine minutes in their training. So okay. what that means. I, I tell you what, i got to interrupt you because Heidi's telling me I've got to take a break, which we need to go and uh, check traffic and let people know if they're driving into work what they're going to go into. But I want to pick up with that when we come back, and then I'm going to give you the question I'm going to ask you so you'll be thinking about it. And that is, do you think that what the media shows us in the way of their little sound bites and their little pictures really does justice to trying to identify what the real problems are and what's at the base of the problem and how we can go about trying to fix it. So you're listening to the Dave Ellswick Show with hosts this morning, State Senator Kim Hammer. I have on the line Tim Campbell. Uh, we're having a good enlightening discussion about the issue as relevant here in Arkansas and nationwide. I invite you to come back after this break while we check the traffic. Hey, good morning. This is Kim Hammer, State Senator, hosting for Dave Ellswick, who's out on Personal Family Matter. And uh, thank you for listening to the show this morning. Uh, we're going to be joined back by Tim Campbell, an individual that I got connected with. Uh, quite honestly, I think he brings a fresh perspective to where we are as a state, but also as a nation, and uh, gives a little bit different insight other than what we hear sometimes on the news. So, Tim, thank you for joining me. So, when we went to the uh, break, one of the things I left you was with the question of, do you think that what the media shows us really does justice to creating a platform to have the kind of honest discussion to address issues not on the surface but to a depth to a deeper depth i do not think that a five minute to six minute clip can explain 400 years of the same problem that has been in america for such a long time um the issue of internal inequality and injustice and racism is, is 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 at the base of what's going on here um for a long time in this country we we, we as black americans um were were slaves and with that being said after slavery there was still segregation laws so if you count for that that's over that's well over 300 years of the same systematic issue we haven't been free as black people as long as we were enslaved as black people and it and there's a direct connect we look at the police officers and the, and, the, and the history of police officers and what they were in terms of slave control and how a lot of those taxes have been passed down or those um, unconscious bias have been passed down to our law enforcement and state agencies and training and trainings that they're, that, they're, that they're required to go through. I think when you look in terms of um, black people and how they're reacting to this situation, they're, 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 they're angry because they're like, well, I've, we've tried everything um, in the in the during the civil rights movement, that was probably some of the most peaceful times of people, um, a citizen disobedience that we know of. And Martin Luther King, the pretty much the inventor of peaceful protest, he 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 was sped on. He was put in jail. He was kicked. He was pushed to the ground along with him and his other counterparts. And he was still shot with a rifle by a one of our white white counterparts. So it's just kind of like there, there's there's not necessarily a de- definite solution to what black people should do because they've tried literally everything, and they and, and now it's time for conversation. Now it's time for dialogue, not just between news media and media media and people from the community. It's time for dialogue with with Google. It's time for dialogue with Target and these corporations that wouldn't be corporations if they couldn't get the biz loans, the business loans that were that were that were that were basically collective economics and equity 
that came from slavery and slaveholders that was only held in one part of our community as we know it, which is our white, our, our white, our white community. So that money circulation has been passed down, but for black people, it has created great disparities in where they are, and they live in these jungles, they live in these projects, they live in these inner cities where people are fending for themselves to survive. But let me and ask so when you. It comes down to, Go ahead, go ahead. Well, let me ask you something on that point. But it doesn't do any good to go in and burn a Target down. It doesn't do any good to go into Chicago and burn a Walmart down. And right. the, the mixed messaging that is sent is why should people reinvest whenever it is that something like this happens, which is uh, – and I'm, I'm not going to minimize Floyd's death. It was tragic. It was uh, – court will prove whether it was wrong or not. But the reaction to that certainly didn't do anything to help advance the conversation because – people's reaction to that is well if that's the way you're going to be then you know just deal with it and i'm not agreeing with that i'm just telling you that's what i think the perception is out there so how do we and can you stay through the top of the hour yeah let's do it let's do it okay so i've got about two minutes then we're going to go to the top of the hour so what's a different route other than burning and looting i'm all for peaceable assembly that's what's afforded us under the constitution but by case law of the supreme court that doesn't mean that it can turn into rioting and you know breaking windows and burning stores down and somewhere we've we've gotten to a point of impasse as far as how do we move past this so in in one minute just get us started in it but we'll come back after top of the hour and finish it up all right um, well, in terms of that, I want to I want to quote the Target CEO's response to the movement right now, and um, he, he, he basically commented towards the looting of his company store in uh, Minneapolis. He, he mentioned that there's over a thousand stores, or Target stores, in Minneapolis, and their lo- relocation will be available for people that work in that store. He was not necessarily necessarily worried about that store as much. He was worried about racism, and I think it's time to have the people versus property discussion. Because we look at our, our American history, we talk about the Boston Tea Party, which is, I learned that was probably one of the most celebrated and decorated uh, moments in our American time. Which was All right, Tim. Hold that thought, Tim. We'll be back after the break. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. We've got Tim Campbell. Back to the Dave Ellswick Show. This is Kim Hammer, state senator, filling in for Dave, who's off on personal matters, uh, taking care of a death in the family. So prayers for Dave and his family while he deals with that. Uh, we'll finish up the last hour, which I don't know about you, but the first two hours have gone by pretty quick. Um, we've got to finish up this hour. Tim Campbell, who I've held over, graciously he's agreed to hold over from the top of the hour. Uh, we're talking about uh, relationships in America today and in Arkansas. We'll be joined by Alan Kerr here in just a minute, former Arkansas Insurance Commissioner, to talk about the uh, cost of insurance premiums and, you know, why is it that they're so high? Is there anything we do to pound them down? And then we'll finish out uh, our time this morning with Wes Ward, who is the Secretary of Agriculture here in the state of Arkansas to talk about some things that are relevant to uh, Arkansas agriculture. And I know y'all maybe get the idea of a tractor out in the middle of the field, but there's a lot more to it than just that, uh, that Wes will come and spend a little time with us this morning. So I've got Tim Campbell. And Tim, one of the things I wanted to do, you mentioned that you just came back from 
spending, uh, I think you said, nearly three years. I forgot it was a long length of time in West Africa. Did you go over there just as an individual, or were you affiliated with a group to go over and do the work that you did working in those underprivileged areas? Yes, sir. I went over um, uh, with the U.S. Peace Corps, um, where basically their initiative is to bridge the gap between um, developing countries and United States and also to go in and help with our level of expertise that we do have and also to learn from that country as well because it's not just Americans teaching. We learn a lot when we go over space. I learned the language. I learned the culture. And I had to speak the language. I could only speak the language that they um they spoke, which is Mandingo. I was living with the Kunta Kinte family, the Kintes. I visited Kunta Kinte Island. I, I visited a few of the historical mummies, uh, specifically the slave, the slave uh, passages and the historical slave passages mummies they have over there, which was a really great experience. Well, that's, and I think that speaks a lot to your character, and you know, get, maybe gives people a little bit of insight as to who you are as an individual. Let me put you to the test real quick. Uh, say something in the language that you learned that you. Uh, wouldn't want people to know that you said, but you said it anyway. Just go ahead and get, and and take about fifteen seconds and give us a test of your language. Well, I'll give you a fifteen minute prayer for our America and the and the state that it's in right now. Alama Simaya, Alama Jatikaniaso, Alama Alama Mosingo Be, Alama 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 Belly Jarila. Now, you care to tell us what you just prayed? I just I just prayed that um, Black Lives uh, continue to matter. I prayed that. For a better America, I pray for the health and well-being of all Americans moving forward. Very good. So let me ask you a question, uh, and we'll finish off our time on, on this one. And I'd like to invite you to be a guest on the Kim Hammer Show some Saturday, uh, heard here on 101.1 FM, the answer from noon until 1. I'd like to have you come on. We'll have a we'll have a full hour-long discussion. But right now I'm watching the news, and there's a real big push to defund police departments, to do away with police departments um, would you agree or disagree with that, given your perspective on things? And what are your thoughts on that? Um, I can just speak for Arkansas, Little Rock. And um, that push has not been necessary to defund the police, but to put more funding into community policing. Um, and, and you can't stop someone going into training and maybe they're racist or maybe they have issues of hegemony or maybe they have um, different uh they have inexperience with other cultures and races. You can't stop that. They have culture exclusive bias. They have unconscious bias trainings, but that doesn't always help. The only thing that you can truly do to 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 get a hold on police brutality, and especially in minority dominated communities, is create a better cohesive relationship between police and people. Um, I'm calling for a practicum experience with our police officer going to um, and going to uh, communities where crime, where they're crime ridden or crime stricken or impoverished or maybe um, suffering to health disease and different and different different uh, disparities to get to know that community, to go door to door. Because I know I grew up on Wolf Street, which is uh, which was considered one of the worst streets in our Arkansas at the time. And I still remember police on uh, bicycles. I still remember them coming out to cookouts. I still remember their faces still to this day. I don't remember names, but I remember their faces. We need that type of picture painted back into specific communities, especially black and African-American, Latino, Mexican communities in our world today to build that relationship and make it better because it's not fair for people to be for people in the community to be policed by people that don't know who they are, what their culture stands for, and their values and norms. Well, to me, that would be a much better approach than some of the direction that we see coming out of certain populations or segments of our population. They're calling 
for just the total disbanding of police departments or defunding, which makes no logical sense at all. And really, to me, communicates that they have an underlying reason and motive behind their intent, uh, which I do not subscribe to, nor do I agree with, uh, that improving what we have is the much more sensible and mature approach than to just totally do away with something that you're not certain of what's going to what's going to replace it. Um, you know, I would be more in in line with, if anything, I'd be more in line with funding police departments to a higher level, maybe with that funding being specifically targeted to make sure that there is adequate training. Uh, but also you have the best of the best as far as uh, having officers out there representing you uh, by giving not only the training, but also giving them the livable standards to where uh, they can, you know, they can afford to do their job without having Correct. to worry about going home and facing certain disparity theirself. Any thoughts right. on that? Um, I, I, I really, I really agree with that because I, one of my pushes for there's, there seems to be like a disconnect between people and police. Like I mentioned earlier, I want to see more younger black boys, your more younger black girls, more younger trans black people wanting to be police officers. I don't want to discourage our people, especially in, 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 in minority-dominated communities, not to be police officers. Because what it does is it creates a, a disconnect, a further disconnect that's unsafe and it's really dangerous. I really, I'm really in favor of um, more black youth becoming and, and thriving to be police officers so that they can go back to those communities that they come from, police them, protect them in the best way that they know possible. But is it realistic? And we'll we'll wrap up on this one because I got uh, Alan Kerr on the line coming on, and I will get you on my show on the Kim Hammer Show on Saturday here here on one hundred one point one FM, the answer from noon until one. But it you just can't go out and create a black police force to put in a black neighborhood and expect that to solve the problem any more than you can create a white police force and put them in a white neighborhood and expect that to solve the problem um, because. There has to be that understanding between the police who are trying to provide to protect and to serve and the population that wants them there in order to protect and serve and everybody have what they need to work for the greater good. Would you agree or disagree with that? And if so, why or why not? I think that um, that goes to the point of, of like, I think you I'm not saying you're taking color out of it, but I think it goes to the point of black lives versus all lives matter. And I think it's a concurrent re- relationship in terms of, re- of discussion. When we talk about black lives mattering, um, we're talking about the fact that all your bones in your body matter. Um, all of them matter. You need all of them to, to walk and to do things that you need to do throughout the day. But if you break your leg, if I break my leg, I automatically I can't walk and I can't move forward. And right now the black community can't move forward. So when we go into the hospital or the legislative board and we say that our leg is broken, I don't need anyone looking at my arm to say that or to define or to or to black explain what's going on in my community. If I say my leg is hurting and it's keeping me from moving forward with the greater America, don't look at my arm. Don't look at my fingers. Look at my leg. And I think in terms of policing, we have to look deeper into the intent of the police officers and it was to protect and to serve. And, and, and we have to live by that regardless of what color you are and what police, what, what neighborhood you're policing, as you said, like we have to look deeper into the real intent of police officers which is which is to protect our communities 
And that has to be truly, truly pushed in the curriculum. It has to be fully, truly, truly pushed in the trainings that we have with these police officers. To, to be a police officer in the state of Arkansas, I think it's like from 12 to 15 weeks. And you're, 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 you can be a police officer. You, can, you, can, you have the, the, the power and authority to go out and police uh, neighborhoods for sometimes people you don't even know. So, but, but, but for me to get a master's degree or for me to get a, a Ph.D., it takes years for me to get that training. It takes years. So let's look at extending that police training. Let's look at, a, 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 looking at, at um, looking at those curriculums and basically saying, this is old. It's not working. It's, um, it's redundant. Let's take it out. Let's replace it with something that's more helpful and more community engaged. All right. We've been listening to uh, Tim Campbell. I hope that you know by now that uh, he is, uh, in my opinion, somewhat of a voice of reason to have the conversation with, and we will have further follow-up conversations. You can get this on uh, this segment or all the segment of the Dave Ellswick Show by going to 101.1 FMTheAnswer.com and get the podcast stuff of it or rewatch it on Facebook Live on the Facebook page, 101.1 FM, The Answer, The Dave Ellswick Show, or you can even go up and I'll have it up on mine, The Kim Hammer Show, heard here on Saturdays from noon until 1. And, Tim, I would like to get you on the you know one of my shows in the upcoming weeks just to oh, have, that, have that bigger discussion, maybe bring some others into it because I think good, helpful dialogue like this is what's going to help us identify the problem, work toward it, and not just react to what they show us on, you know, a two or three minute video or uh, a sound bite that, uh, in fact, I'll go so far as say, I think sometimes the media contributes to the problem. They don't help solve the problem, but that's a whole show within itself. Tim, thank you for being on the Dave Ellswick show and I'll catch up with you again. Thank you for being on. All right. All right. Thank you. you. Okay. We're going to bring on Alan Kerr now and uh, Alan, thanks for waiting. Alan was the uh, former insurance commissioner for the state of Arkansas and uh, now he has gone into the private sector and wanted to get him on because Alan's actually going to be on my show uh, coming up on the Kim Hammer Show on Saturdays from noon to one here on 101.1 FM. But we're going to do a little bit of a teaser because everybody needs health insurance and uh, the cost of health insurance seems to have leveled off a little bit, uh, but yet it always continues to go upward. And uh, so what I want to do is get Alan on and just ask you with your vast knowledge that you've got, because you, you've also have been or currently are, uh, you know, an insurance agent. You've been the insurance commissioner. Uh, now you represent a, a different approach. And let me just give you a format to tell people a little bit about uh, what you've done, what you're doing and where you are at this time in your life. Well, yes, sir. Good morning. I appreciate you having me on this morning. Yes, we uh, are. Uh, in, in a, uh, a business of health sharing ministries at this point. Uh, I work for uh, OneShare Health. I'm a exec- senior executive vice president uh, for OneShare Health. They're a firm out of Dallas, and uh, they are a health sharing ministry. And what I say by that is it's not insurance. It is, uh, uh, you may have heard some commercials on radio of other health sharing ministries, but uh, it's an alternative to health insurance or a choice that you make uh, to uh, manage your, your health care needs. And what it amounts to is that uh, uh, contributions are made uh, into the system, and those contributions are shared um, with uh, the other members of the, uh, of the, the business and uh, uh, of the community in that uh, business to take care of their health insurance needs, to pay their health insurance bills, to manage their health care. You know, we've got uh, I've got about a minute and a half for I've got to go to yes, uh, the break for the news and traffic. Would you understand that? Because is it tomorrow that you're hosting the Dave Ozark show? 
Yes, sir. Tomorrow morning. Very good. Okay. I'll, I'll be sitting in your seat, keeping it warm for you. I will try to leave it in good order for you to pick up and go forward with. But, um, you know, you do bring a unique perspective because you you are or have been still, I guess, a insurance agent. Is that correct? Yes, sir. They they let me have my license back after I uh, I left the state. They they wouldn't let me uh, wouldn't let me regulate myself. So I had to I had to. Uh, uh, sell my license until uh, I, I was done being insurance commissioner. But yes, I am an insurance agent now. And then you've also held the office of insurance commissioner for the state of Arkansas, which puts you more on the regulatory and accountability side of things. Is that a fair perspective? Uh, absolutely. Yes, sir. All right. Now you're representing a population of a different approach opposite to the traditional pathway that you were on. So you've got a little bit of taste for all three areas. So when we come back, uh, I want to ask you about how the uh, with the insurance rates rising as they are, and periodically they'll spike up, they'll level off, then they'll spike mm-hmm. up. I haven't seen many of them ever in my lifetime that they actually went down. Uh, I want to get your perspective of the comparison and what is it that drives up the cost of insurance and just have a conversation along that line. I've got Alan Kerr, who is the former insurance commissioner for the state of Arkansas, now in the private sector, on as my guest to be with me to the bottom of the hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Right now, we've got to take care of a little business by going to news and traffic. Hey, good afternoon. Good morning. Sorry, wishing my day away. Good morning. You were listening to the Dave Ellswick Show. This is Kim Hammer, state senator, hosting for Dave this morning while he's out taking care of some personal family matter business. And so we want to continue our conversation with Alan Kerr, former insurance commissioner for the state of Arkansas and working in the private sector now. So where I left it, and incidentally, if you're just tuning in, uh, Alan is actually going to host Dave's show in the morning. So uh, go ahead and put that into your radio dial to tune in. You'll get three hours of uh, good education. I kind of like to think this show is that we just don't entertain you, we educate you, and that's what separates us from the rest of the shows available in the listening audience. So with Alan, uh, you've got, you got a pretty diverse background. You've, you've held an insurance license, and then you had to give it up because while you were insurance commissioner, uh, you were more on the regulatory accountability side, so you couldn't police yourself, even though you're a person of character. I think you've done a fine job, but that is what it is. And now yeah. – you are handling what some might call a different product line. And so my question is this, with insurance rates never going down, always going up, how is it, what is it that drives insurance rates to go up? And what is it that we could be doing differently as consumers to start to turn that down, if anything at all? Well, I don't know that as consumers there's anything we can do to start turning that down other than uh, being careful who we vote for uh, when election time comes. But um, honestly, what drives, uh, what drives rates is, is uh, uh, accessibility. It drives, um, uh, uh, of course, you know, claims drive rates, um, a lot of things that uh, – uh, People don't really have control over, and sometimes the insurance companies don't have control over. Lots, lots of regulation, unfortunately, uh, is one of the problems in uh, in any product uh, on the market. Is uh, anytime you start regulating it, that's going to cause um, whoever's offering that product to have to adjust his his cost in order to cover the cost of of that regulation. So. Um, you know that's uh, that's one of the things that that makes uh, health sharing ministries so great is that 
the insurance department doesn't regulate them. Um, they're they're uh, just what they said. They're a ministry. And uh, when you donate your money into one of these uh, systems, uh, that money goes for things that you more have, have better control over. In other words, uh, that money um, goes into a, a ministry that, that uh, has specific uh, requirements. You have to sign a document of, um, of beliefs uh, that you uh, agree with, with that ministry's beliefs and, and what they're, they're wanting to do with, with uh, those funds. And they're nonprofits. They're, you know, insurance companies are for-profit um, entities, and uh, this is a nonprofit. So you're not having to take care of, of shareholders and stockholders and, and worrying about profits. Any profit that a ministry does make goes to uh, other ministries like uh, uh, Tim Tebow Foundation and, and uh, uh, worthy causes that, that help people in their lives. So, um, and, and by that token, because they don't have all that regulation, they don't have the same cost, they don't have the same overhead as an insurance company does, the, uh, the cost of, of your health care is going to be uh, quite a bit lower. Uh, those, those contributions are, uh, by comparison, uh, what you would pay for in premiums to a health insurance company is um, is quite a bit lower. Uh, in, in a lot of cases, uh, about 40% of what you normally would pay. So why don't insurance companies adjust their model to become more like that to where they pass on the savings to um, their customers? Why, why don't insurance companies adopt that model? Because they're for profit. They're there to make a profit. Blue Cross Blue Shields there to make a profit. United Healthcare is there to make a profit. They have shareholders. They have stockholders that uh, they have responsibility to, and that profit goes to those stockholders. The you mentioned about, uh, and I think one thing that's a concern to people out there whenever they hear you know shared care uh, concept of meeting their needs is if there is a lack of uh, regulation there would be a lack of accountability. So what's the comfort level that people can have if they choose to get into one of those market lines um, that they're not going to get left holding the bag if they happen to get cancer or a you know, catastrophic right. event? Well, I completely understand that. As being an insurance commissioner regulator, I, I can understand where their stress would be coming from. However, uh, a lot of people don't realize that um, – the uh, their employers' plans, those ERISA plans, those self self insured plans that they belong to with their employers, aren't regulated by the insurance department. Um, they are for profit plans, um, but uh, they are not regulated by the insurance department by federal mandate. Uh, the federal government um, regulates those entities, and what gives the health sharing ministries. Um, their authorization to do business uh, this way is a, um, a federal statute um, that, that allows them to do that. So very much like the ERISA uh, statute that, that uh, the federal government has set up. Okay. So Hey, can you hold over to the bottom? Can you hold over to through the bottom of the hour, Alan? Yes, sir, I can. Okay, very good. You know, you're going to be in my seat in the morning. You understand this. We need to take a break to catch up on the news. <laughs> So let me ask you, and let me give you an analogy here, because we just saw okay. this happen in real life. When I think about one share and the other ones that you know offer uh, coverage, for lack of a better term, or uh, what's the right word do you like to use anyway? Is, do you refer to it as coverage, or what do you refer to it as? Well, we refer to it as as um, uh, healthcare management. 
But, uh, yeah, I mean, you can use the word coverage if you want. Okay. With healthcare management, so uh, a university recently, this past week, we had some, well, last three weeks, we've had some pretty in-depth conversations uh, regarding a university that got in financial trouble. And one of the things they found out when they went in there was that they had a self-insured plan, and it was costing them far more money than when they went and joined, uh, you know, with a insurance plan. Um, right. How is it different? How is it different for an organization that is self-insured from one share who it sounds like you're self-insured, dependent upon your members and being able to keep the cost down? Because when we hear the advertisement about either one share and the other ones, one of the big things they yeah. they tote is, well, you can save a lot of money by going with us. Well, and and just like anything, uh, Senator, it's it's uh, with any insurance company or, or our organization, it's how that 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 is managed. Okay, it's how they manage that business. Um, a self insured plan still has to be managed as a, an insurance entity so that uh, um, so that it's it's uh, viable. Okay, that's what the insurance department did is or does is, is they make sure that all companies are solvent. So, uh, so that the public is protected. Now, that's a situation because the insurance company or insurance department doesn't regulate uh, those self-insured plans. Uh, they're kind of hanging out there and dependent on uh, whoever's managing that for them. Now, sometimes they'll get a third-party administrator like uh, United Healthcare or Blue Cross to to uh, uh, to manage that for them. But some of them aren't, um, and and you've got people managing um, healthcare systems that aren't. Um, aren't astute in in that type of business, so um, there are those those problems out there, and there's always that chance you'll get involved in one of those. Um, the difference between that and and our uh, our organization is that um, we use a lot of tools in order to keep our costs down. We do a lot of telemedicine. We've got a concierge service. We uh, uh, when you send us a bill to be shared. We call that doctor and offer them a cash price in order to work that, that bill down. Uh, we are very astute at this and very good at it. Um, we end up paying a lot of times uh, a total bill that might be $40,000. We may only pay $15,000 to settle the whole thing. Okay. Hey, I tell you what, I'm going to stop you right there, and here's I'm being yeah, selfish sure. in this, too, because you're going to be my guest on my show this Saturday on the Kim Hammer Show, heard here on yes, 101.1 FM uh, from noon until 1. You're going, to get, you're going to get at least half of the time, and here's what I want you to be prepared to come on the show and talk about. Uh, I, yes, want, I want you to talk about the differences in how you actually manage the program versus how insurance companies manage that contribute to the higher cost if you have an insurance plan that's one thing the other thing i'd like you to be prepared to talk about is what are the regulations that are excessive on the insurance industry that are not really necessary that we could seek to eliminate without going down that slippery slope of not having protection for the consumer who has the insurance policy and then Get you a couple of people that can give testimonies about the success of the one share program, and let's have somebody on the line that we can talk to from a real experience. Maybe somebody that had an insurance policy before, but now uh, they are utilizing the health management plan that you've got, and we'll work out the details between 
uh, now it's Saturday, and you can't talk about any of that on your show tomorrow. If you get desperate for time to fill, you're forbidden to talk about that in the morning when you oh, man. host the Dave Ellswick <laughs> okay. show tomorrow morning. So does that sound okay. good to you? Sounds good, sir. All right. Hey, I appreciate it. That's been Alan Kerr, former Arkansas Insurance Commissioner, now working for OneShare, uh, offering health management plans. We'll have him on and a little bit of a surprise. I'm also going to get someone else on that brings even a different perspective uh, to that approach and to the standard insurance plans, but then somebody else that kind of bundles for you, and we'll have a talk about how you could – because I want to tell you something. I don't know if you've looked at your health insurance costs lately, but unless you're like an employee of a state or you've got a really good plan with the company that you're with, uh, you are very vulnerable, and it eats up a lion's share of your paycheck. So whatever you can do to help yourself but sleep with peace of mind that you have your needs met in the event, God forbid, you should have a catastrophic event, that's what we want to do is provide you with good information so you make good choices. All right, next on the Dave Ellswick Show here on 101.1 FM, The Answer, which you can go up to uh, 101.1 com and get the podcast of today's show or rewatch it on the Facebook Live at 101.1 FM, The Answer, or the Dave Ellswick Show page, uh, or you can even go up to the Kim Hammer Show Facebook page. We'll have it up there as well. We're going to be joined now to finish out our time this morning, which, in my opinion, has gone pretty quickly. Thank you very much. And I also want to give a shout-out. Heidi is sitting on the other side of the glass window. You can't see her on facebook live or you can't see her here you can't see me or here you know you can't see me either on the radio but she has really done a good job i hope you feel the same way of keeping me between the ditches this morning uh she's one of the unsung heroes that makes sure everything goes out in quality form so kudos to heidi but right now let's be joined by west ward who is the secretary of agriculture for the state of arkansas and west thank you for taking time to being on the dave ellswick show hosted by state senator kim hammer this morning Hey, good morning, sir. It's a pleasure to join you. I appreciate you letting me join you this morning. Well, I know you're busy, and I thank you for taking the time to be on. Let's just uh, give us a perspective of where we are in agriculture right now in the state and just kind of hit some of the high topics that are important to you for people to want to know. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as, as you know, sir, you know, agriculture is our state's largest industry, a $21 billion economic impact uh, every year. Uh, very diverse agriculture production that ranges from your livestock, your poultry, specialty crops, forestry, row crops, aquaculture. Uh, so just a very substantial agriculture industry in the state. And, uh, you know, if you look across the country, Arkansas is ranked 14th in the country as far as just direct cash receipts. Uh, so very, very vibrant agriculture uh, economy in the state of Arkansas. A lot, lot of great success stories. Uh, but just like every other industry over the last few months, uh, the, de- dealing with the coronavirus has taken some uh, some, some negative impacts uh, to the industry. And so we've been working through those over the last few months, you know, really kind of starting uh, back on March 11th when Arkansas saw, saw its first case. Uh, but really, you know, just looking at the coronavirus, a few things in particular that stand out as far as uh, the impacts uh, has really kind of been a lot more on the animal agriculture side. And so if you look across the country, uh, you see the, the impacts of the meat processing side. Uh, and so that's something that, you know, the governor has gotten a lot of questions about. And uh, here in Arkansas, you know, we've got about 60 uh, uh, meat processing facilities, you know, mostly on the poultry side as far as the larger processing capabilities. Uh, so we've, we've been very fortunate in Arkansas that we haven't seen those large closures uh, that, that other states have seen more so 
so on the pork and cattle side, but uh, uh, still something that we're we're being very mindful of and paying a lot of attention to, uh, not just in Arkansas but across the country. Uh, but really, every every piece of Arkansas agriculture has been impacted. Poultry growers and forestry seem to have been impacted the most, uh, and we're spending quite a bit of time on on all of those topics. Is the big area in which they're impacted is if they're employees that are in working in the food processing plants or maybe the hired hand that's out on the tractor just trying to get the crop in and, um, you know, or the truck drivers that are moving the chickens down the road. Is the biggest point of impact upon the agricultural industry is when those individuals get sick and they're not able to work? Or what are the points of impact that you're contributing COVID-19 to having a, you know, dramatic impact? Uh, effect on Arkansas and agriculture? Yes, sir. I, I think it, uh, it covers across several factors, really. Uh, you know, early on, uh, when, when the coronavirus was, uh, you know, growing in, in the country, uh, there were some issues with, uh, with, you know, agricultural labor, being able to get some H-2A uh, workers uh, into the country because some countries had really kind of shut down their borders. And, uh, and so it, that's spend a lot of time on that and that's where you saw the the farm core effort to, to help match uh, uh agricultural labor needs with uh with members of the guard and reserves and military members uh, so that's that's one piece of it just the labor aspect uh it's it's a component of uh, uh you know really there, there's not a there's not a food shortage uh in the country or in arkansas it's just been uh, some disruptions to the supply chain and, and and mostly most of that has been on the meat processing side so it's been a matter of uh, as we've seen uh, you know other states doing shelter in place or stay at home orders uh, that uh, a lot of the restaurants and, and we saw the restaurant closures in Arkansas as well uh, that that food demand shifted from more of those uh, from from schools from restaurants to, to grocery stores and so the supply chain had to had to shift uh, and so that created some uh, some uh, disruptions there on, on just trying to work through those issues uh, there's you know the meat processing closures have have been because people were were sick and were not able to come to work. Uh, so it's been it's been a multitude of factors that uh, that we at, at Arkansas have had to work through, uh, and certainly the Department of Health has has played a, a very important role in that, and, and just making sure uh, that you know our producers, our facilities, you know, have the guidance that they need. Uh, you know, I, I can't say enough about our, our poultry industry in Arkansas. Uh, and, and the efforts that they have done to, to protect employees, and so a lot of these facilities have uh, uh, have have spent you know uh, seventy to one hundred thousand dollars, you know, putting in you know safety, you know, putting plexiglass, additional PPE, doing uh, temperature stations, uh, a broad range of things that they're doing, uh, really to keep the, the facilities running, but also to protect their employees and make sure that they're in a safe working environment as well. So it's, it's been a lot of factors that uh, everybody has had to work through to sort out to, uh, to be able to continue to operate. But, and, and I think that's a big point, too, uh, for Arkansas, you know, with agriculture being our largest industry, uh, early on, you know, thanks to the efforts of the governor, you know, there wasn't a shelter in place or stay-at-home order that really locked everything down. Uh, agriculture was still running. Uh, and so people were still operating, still still going to work, still uh, doing their business as best as possible, but trying to work through all of these issues as best as they could. But even if the governor had issued a stay-in-place order, isn't our, our agriculture considered an essential service where those workers would have had the ability to come and go freely in order to provide to the agricultural needs? 
That's right. It, it is. Uh, and that's where, you know, I think with the governor's leadership, we, we avoided a lot of that disruption that other states had. Uh, so when other states, when they did their shelter in place orders, uh, they created a lot of confusion. Uh, and, and a lot of states, we, we've had, you know, weekly conference calls with other states and with USDA and other states were, uh, as, as their governors were implementing orders, they didn't know who, who could work, who couldn't work, who had to stay at home, who didn't. Uh, but in Arkansas, really, uh, our agriculture industry never really had that question and, and knew that they could continue to operate and continue to, to do business. The uh, I had Senator Gary Stubblefield on my show, the Kim Hammer Show on Saturdays from noon until one here on one hundred one point one FM. The answer, and also had Steve Good, uh, who owns Good's Grocery Store, and we were talking about the meat processing uh, because of the price of beef being up so high. Um, do you find that? Uh, I mean, recently I went in the store and hamburgers around five dollars a pound, and you know if you want a good steak, um, something that's above roadkill grade uh it was 16 dollars a pound do you do you find that our prices here in arkansas with 60 processing plants are they lower in comparison to other states when you talk to your counterparts or uh how are we faring in that area yeah i i would say the prices have probably been about uh, about the same. I haven't really looked at other states to to, uh, to have a direct comparison, but I would say they're probably comparable. Uh, but you know, I, I think that raises a good point, though. Uh, you know, for our you know cattle industry uh, and pork as well, you know, those are going to other states to be processed. You know, our, our poultry, a lot of that processing capability is here in Arkansas. Uh, so that that has raised the question of do we need to increase the the meat processing capabilities in Arkansas? So we do have. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of our processing facilities are poultry, uh, you know, but the other ones are, are smaller, custom exempt processing facilities. We, we've got three USDA, uh, you know, inspection capabilities uh, facilities for for uh, livestock. Uh, so there's there's been a lot of discussions on that topic recently, uh, going through these disruptions of you know, is that something that we need to uh, increase our capacity in Arkansas? So when these things do happen, if there is disruptions and the and the larger processing uh, capabilities that we have, some of these smaller regional uh, processing facilities where these products can move. Uh, as, as I'm sure you know, in other states, you know, especially on the pork side, uh, pork facilities, uh, a lot of those uh, hogs had to be uh, euthanized or depopulated because they just could not get them processed. And so, uh, thankfully, we again we haven't seen that disruption in Arkansas, but it does raise the question of uh, making sure that we've got adequate processing capability in Arkansas should be needed. Okay, I tell you what, I've got to take a quick break, and we're going to go check traffic, and then we'll be back. I'm going to give you the give you the two areas I want to talk to you about in about five minutes' time when we come back. One is uh, when it comes to processing, should we be investing more in processing in the state of Arkansas so we become more independent and draw business into arkansas and how does usda play in that discussion versus setting up a state in-house inspection system uh, to where we could provide safety and security to people if they bought meat processed in arkansas we'll pick up that when we come back with west ward who is the secretary of agriculture here in the state of arkansas you're listening to the dave ellswick show and we'll be back after the traffic update 
Welcome back to the Dave Ellswick Show. This is Kim Hammer, State Senator, hosting for Dave today. Thank you for spending time with me this morning. I hope your morning experience with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show has been enlightening and that you feel more educated. And you'll be back in to listen tomorrow morning to Alan Kerr, who is going to be hosting the show tomorrow. Right now, we're going to finish out with Wes Ward, Secretary of Agriculture for the Department of or for State of Arkansas. And Wes, the question I gave you that I want to finish up on with a couple minutes only is about processing in the state of arkansas do we need to do more to expand the ability to process so people aren't having to send their livestock out of the state long-term sustainability is that even conceivable and would it be an would it be an economic development issue that we ought to take a look at exploring sir so i you know i think a couple points there uh, as i mentioned earlier you know there's really only three usda inspected facilities in arkansas for for allow uh, livestock uh, processing and so uh you know we've heard from several folks i think that could uh, be expanded a little bit uh, you know maybe uh, add a couple more to have a, a larger regional scope uh, for the processing capability you know one thing uh, in particular that's important uh, is uh, with the usda inspection that allows for the export uh, of those products that allows for uh, the products across state lines. Uh, so there's been some question on that. So uh, the smaller processing capabilities in Arkansas that don't have the USDA inspection uh, really is just for for personal consumption. So someone say someone uh, uh, you know raises cattle, they could take it to that those smaller process facility, uh, and that that could be butchered and processed for themselves, uh, or you know uh, they could you know, you know very limited capabilities on what they could do with that. You know, it couldn't cross state lines, couldn't uh, couldn't be in the export market. So their their marketing capabilities there are pretty limited. So th- so there would need to be some sort of if the capability is to grow, it would need to be some sort of USDA uh, inspection capability. Uh, there's been questions about a, a state inspection program. Uh, and Arkansas used to have one that uh, I think ended back in 1981. Uh, but even with a state inspection program, it can only be uh, internal to the state. So you, your 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 marketing capabilities are pretty limited there too. So I certainly think USDA inspection gives a broader capability, uh, and, and I do think that that capacity could be could be grown a little bit. You know, you know what we're hearing right now for the, the three that exist in Arkansas is they're uh, they're backed up. A lot of them are backed up a, a year or more, uh, you know, in, a, in the current environment. So okay. I think I think there is some capacity there for some growth. All right. I'll tell you what I'd like to do is get you on the Kim Hammer Show on a Saturday where we can have an expanded conversation about that and a few other areas like around feral hogs and the buffalo watershed and all that kind of good stuff, if you don't mind. But I'll be in touch with you. And I, I really appreciate Wes Ward, the Secretary of Agriculture for the Department for Arkansas, being on this morning. And, Wes, I'll be in touch, and I appreciate you very much. We're about to finish it up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Got about a minute or less, so listen up, because I want to give you some just uh, personal perspective editorial. And these are my thoughts and my thoughts alone. One of the things that we see as far as an aggressive pattern by the liberals represented under the Democrat flag is a desire to take away your guns. Followed by taking away your guns, they want to take away your police departments. Now, what kind of mindset or person would even allow that thought process to enter their mind that would want to take away your Second Amendment right, but also would want to take away the right of being protected by those that are there to serve and to protect? 
And then the question comes, who do they want to replace it with, and what will that look like? I think that when you look at what has happened in the last week here in the state of Arkansas, Little Rock, and throughout the nation, when you have individuals that are just run allowed to run rampant and to be able to loot and to riot and to destroy, I think you see that it plays into a bigger mindset that we always need to hold accountable and to call into question. We need to meet the challenges, and the, how we meet it will be determined. Will determine our success and failures. As far as me, off my bucket list are New York, Minneapolis, Los Angeles, and San Francisco, and other democratically controlled areas that want to take away your rights. Stay away from them, people. They'll kill you. 